Ever wonder how a Comic-Con comes together? Here are two guys that know because it's what they do every day. It's the Con Men Podcast. Now for another mediocre podcast attempt, it's Greg Adams and Puff. It's the Con Men Podcast. Greg Adams over here and Puff is over there. Hello. Uh, We are going to, I think, every time I say this, we end up going long. So maybe I shouldn't say it, but I think we have kind of a a shorter podcast today. Um, Just a couple of topics on our list. Uh, Actually, one of them, we, we do have to do a pretty big recap. Now that I think about it. What we recap? Oh, guest? Guest announcements. Yeah, we, um, we've got a bunch of them. We're down to the final two. So before we get to that, let's once again explain what it is that we do here. We are a podcast put on by a couple of guys who uh, run a local Comic-Con on a daily basis. Our convention is GeekedCon in Shreveport, Louisiana. It's coming up this August. This is year number six for us. Uh, we decided to do this kind of as a way to... Pull the curtain back, talk about some of the ins and outs of what we do on a daily basis, uh, go through the thought process on some of the decisions that need to be made on this kind of thing. That Mostly for people who, you know, if, if they're running, uh, and, and I know because I've, I've talked to some folks who run Comic-Cons and they've listened and they've said that, you know, they've either come up with questions or they said, thanks for talking about that. Uh, because not only is it, about that, but we're also talking to our fans, the people who come to our particular event, or fans of Comic-Cons in general. So when we talk about the reason that things are done a certain way, it allows fans to also understand some of the tough decisions that we have to make. So that's the whole point of what we're doing. Actually, And there's a selfish part of this, because sometimes we get to talking about things and go, you know what, how come that's never popped in our brain before, and then we go and do it? Yeah, we'll get questions. Uh, We've had a couple of them where we go... Oh, wow, that's a really good idea. We just never thought of it. Yeah, and then we go go and do it. Yeah. So uh, since the last time we spoke, we've made, I think, four, three or four guest announcements. Let me go all the way back to last Wednesday. Uh, Last Wednesday, we announced... Scott Hall? Scott Hall, you're right. WWE Hall of Famer, two-time. Two-time. Well, soon to be two-time. Two-time inductee, I guess is a way to say it. He will be inducted. uh, April? Yes. Like literally two weeks, right? However long it is until WrestleMania, he will be inducted WrestleMania weekend uh, as a member of the NWO. He's already in as Razor Ramon, so Scott Hall, two-time WWE Hall of Famer, the bad guy, is coming to our event in Shreveport this August. Uh, And then on Friday, we announced Jim Tavari. Yeah, we did Tom the Innkeeper from Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was also on Last Comic Standing, and he's done a handful of other... Californication? Yes. He was the the Riz's butler, and is hilarious. Uh, He he is, because he's a stand-up comedian. Uh, And then over the weekend, we announced our our headliner from the year 2017. Our our boy, Lou Ferrigno. Our boy, Lou Ferrigno, will be coming back. The Incredible Hulk will be back at GeeksCon in 2020. Cato Paris Sheriff. Lou yes, Ferrigno. he is. He was deputized in uh, in our local parish the last yeah. time around. So he's a deputy dog. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? I'm just saying. Okay, it goes um, on the resume. And then Ryan Hurst from The Walking Dead and Sons of Anarchy and Remember the Titans and Bates Motel and countless other things. One of the best beards on TV. Uh, yeah. will be coming to GeekCon this year. That man is extremely tall. So uh, whatever you have. 
pictured of him in your brain at about six inches. I don't know if he's actually that tall. Did you did you meet him when we were in New Orleans? I saw him standing up next to our boss, who is a six foot tall lady, and he made her look like a child. Okay. He, I, he's got to be at least six eight, six ten. No, I don't think he's that tall. I think he's about like six four, six five. I think he's probably close. I think no. you and he will probably be close in height. No, no, really? no, no, no. He's a tall man. Okay, I didn't think he was that tall. He's like Kevin Nash tall. Okay, well, well, good. Kevin Nash pre knee surgery. I don't know how tall yeah, Kevin what, is now. Yeah, did that now? shave off like two inches from him? Uh, and then just today, just a couple of hours ago, uh, we announced Jay. From the Jay and Silent Bob fame, from the Kevin Smith View Askew universe, Jason Muse will be coming to GeeksCon this August in downtown Shreveport. Yeah, we booked this chronic. <laughs> Got some chronic coming to town, yo. Why Deputy Dog and now this? Like, what is going well, on Well, it's true. There? Blunt Man of Chronic. He's the I, chronic I in know, that. I know, but like, why? Okay. So, yes, Jason Mewes. I'm very excited about that one. I'm personally excited. You? Uh, the Kevin Smith movies were a big part of my formative years. Uh, I, I I love Kevin Smith. I'm I'm ashamed to admit that I haven't seen the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I know you've seen it multiple times. Um, I know you saw it in the theater. Twice. I know you've watched it in your office. Yep. Uh, and I am ashamed that I have not sat down to take it in. But I will be doing that very soon because Jason Mewes is coming to town. So I definitely want to be able to talk to him about uh, the reboot. And, and just to go back to a previous conversation, because uh, we were talking about great Christmas gifts, I got you something specifically yes. because yep. Jason Mewes was coming to town. Yeah, that uh, that big old Mallrats poster. Yeah, that. I literally got Greg a giant uh, theater-sized Mallrat poster signed by Kevin Smith. And now he can get it signed by Jason Mewes. Which, by the way, Kevin Smith, uh, you, you got that from the Secret Stash, right? Of course. Yep. So if you order something off from uh, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash and you get it signed by Kevin Smith, I highly recommend that you get the movie poster because he doesn't sign it with like a regular Sharpie. He uses one of those giant industrial-sized ones. <laughs> yes. So that autograph is like the width of the movie poster. Yeah, it's not coming off. Either. It's insane. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's and 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 it's a double banger because not only do you get a cool thing that you can get Jason to sign as well, but you're also helping keep Ming Chen employed because <laughs> uh, he kind of runs their store. So fellow, fellow it, GeekCon guest, it, it's a uh, full circle there. You're helping two two big time GeekCon guests right there just by ordering from the Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey, which you have done multiple times. I should probably get on that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I wonder if they got the. Funko Pops I've been chasing. I they haven't did. Even I don't know if they're still in stock or not. Oh boy! All right, I'm gonna have to get on that after we're done here. So, all right, now that now that the the housekeeping stuff is out of the way, the the local stuff, let's talk about the, the bigger scope of things. Uh, we were gonna talk about tickets today. Yes, which go on sale by the way this Friday. Uh, GeekCon tickets will go on sale Friday, March thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth. And not, no, that is not a hint. No, it's not, even though a lot of people have already tried to make that leap. Yeah. Um, it, is it, Kane Hodder coming? No, no, he's not. That's that's not what that means, uh, so let's lose that idea In right fact, away. that's probably a good place to start, because uh, our tickets go on sale literally 160 days away from the event. We, we planned it perfectly. We were like, hey, we want to have this much time at least to get tickets on sale, to get final pushes. That way it's out of the way and in uh, people's hands. 
And uh, that's basically what we what we did. We picked sort of a midway point from where we wanted to start to where the event starts, and we ended up on Friday the 13th in March. And now every, every market is different. Mm-hmm. So your market might need more time to have tickets on sale, uh, or a market might not want to have tickets on sale that long because they might be worried about burnout with their audience. You have to know your market. Uh, we know in our particular market that people need to be reminded of things regularly. Yeah, you kind of it's like ringing a dinner bell. People yep. forget, people forget, and then all of a sudden you you shake the can and they come running. Which is not an insult. It's just there's a lot of stuff happening in Shreveport and there's easy for things like oh yeah, I need to buy GeekCon tickets to just, you know, fall out of people's heads. Well, because we have a lot of entertainment uh, options here and not every market is the same again we have six casinos in town six casinos a big venue that brings in concerts all we, the time we have like shares here tonight i, I mean it, so there's just so much stuff carnivals and and mardi gras events and all this stuff that we have to not necessarily compete with but compete for brain space we with. need to, we we try to stay top of mind as long as we can and the date of our show is is weird for our market too because uh, we're in August right as school starts. And yep. I know that not everybody, uh, some places even have it to where school legally can't start until after Labor Day. It's not that way here. No, it's uh, not. So a lot of the summer vacations for families in our area are crunched into the time that we are heavily promoting the event. So we like to get out ahead of summer vacation season, uh, right around spring break season, and just really start talking to people and reminding people and keep that pressure on. But again, your market might not be that way. You might be the only thing going on in town. And so if you go for lucky, <laughs> if you go for six months though, regularly promoting the event, people might get burnt out and bored. And so maybe you might consider a 90 day plan instead of a 160 day plan. Uh, but the first thing that you need to consider when you're starting to look at your event and look at tickets is you need to you need to understand what your needs are. How much money do you need to make for this event to work? Mm-hmm. So go back to the thing that I harp on all the time. Go to the spreadsheet, go to the budget, figure out what the numbers are. And, and in previous episodes, you can go back and find them. We've talked about why you want to set a certain price on vendor spaces because you want to try to pay certain things off with your vendor spaces. You don't want your tickets uh, to pay for everything. You don't want to live or die by ticket sales. No. Some years might be more, some years might be less. So I, I know you're really good at like breaking this down, so I'll leave it to you. But <laughs> it's good to uh, to not pass that along or depend solely on ticket sales and the people that may attend your event. Well, there's no live or die by ticket sales. There's strictly die by ticket sales. Uh, because you cannot guarantee. And we're actually going through something right now that's a great example. Coronavirus right now, the COVID-19 scare, is changing the dynamics of a lot of live events across the nation. Now, if you've built your event entirely on hoping that you get a large push at the door, you may not get that just because of the reaction of people. Your market might not even have an issue. You might not have a positive test in your market. It might not be a big concern for you, but for your audience and your attendees, It may actually impact them. They may not show up that weekend. And if you put everything into that basket and didn't take care of uh, venue rental with vendors, you didn't take care of advertising with sponsors, if you put everything onto ticket sales at the door, you're going to die by that sword. 
So you have to understand what your total number is. Then you have to try and figure out how many people you're actually going to generate. First thing you got to do is understand your venue. How many people can you fit in your venue? If you're looking at a venue that can have a capacity of 5,000 people, and in your mind you have to sell 6,000 tickets to be able to break even, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, it's highly unlikely. And you can't just shuffle the numbers and say, okay, well, I'm just going to charge more per ticket. Because you have to understand that aspect of your market, too. You have to know what the limitations of your audience are going to be. Some places, you can sell a $50 ticket easy, no problem, people will pay for it. Other markets, a $15 ticket is like pulling teeth. And then what you're offering for that ticket price, if you're a show that's got two or three medium-sized media guests and you're going to try to generate a $50 ticket at the door, that's not likely to happen. Yeah, a lot of people can look at that and be like, oh, that's what they're, I'm getting for 50 bucks when I can drive an out." an hour, two hours, three hours away and go hit this other show for 50 bucks and they got all these people and or all these amenities or these kind of events or whatever the case may be. Their draw, unless you have a draw that matches the dollars people are going to spend on your ticket, yeah, you don't want to play that game. And you don't have to you don't have to be a mind reader. Just take yourself and remove yourself out of the situation. You're too close to the forest. Pull yourself out and think what you would do. If I saw this kind of event and I was asked to pay $50 for it, would I do it? And do ask that question objectively. Don't think, oh, well, I know what it's going to be like. I know it's going to be a great time, so of course I'd pay for it. If you just happen to see a poster for your event, would you pay that kind of money for it? You have to be able to pull yourself out. So once you get whatever that ticket value is, you look at what your venue capacity is. You figure out how much you can fill, what you think your ticket sales will be. Budget based on that. Don't budget on best case scenario. Budget on likeliness. And it's always, if there's ever a question, take the under. Because you yes, don't want to always. You don't want to overestimate and be like, well, we're going to get 20,000 people this year. And when really you might only get 10. Take whatever your under basement lowest number you could think of as sort of the thing you operate off of and you you have to be careful too the opposite way you have to be careful of undervalue undervaluing your tickets and then you have to look at your capacity again so if you undervalue your tickets make them like ten dollars very affordable but you can only fit two thousand people in your venue you may end up generating more interest than what you can handle. You may end up leaving people outside for hours on end, maybe even potentially through severe weather. Yes. I, uh, yeah, we've seen that happen a couple of times, and it was not pleasant. No, so, it, it, it can end a show. Yeah. Uh, so the second thing that you have to do after you figure out what kind of tickets you're selling, because I forgot about that part, figure out your VIP stuff too. Figure out how young kids will get in free, Figure out where your break is between a kid's ticket and an adult ticket. Maybe all tickets are the same price and there's no break for kids. What kind of VIP can you offer? Put all that together after you figure out what your base ticket price is. Don't start with a VIP ticket and work your way down. Don't start with a kid's ticket and work your way up. Find the average ticket price and work out both directions from there. Because your average ticket price is going to be what you sell the most of. Yep. Uh, and then you got to figure out your platform. Now, check with your venue or prospective venue.
because some venues have exclusive contracts where you can only use certain ticket vendors or websites and it's not really an open market. No, and some of those ticket vendors and websites can also ruin your show really quickly mm -hmm. uh, before you even get off the ground. If it's first year show and you're locked into one of those uh, high fee ticket uh, platforms, you're not going to be able to get off the ground because you're going to have. I mean, if you have a fifteen dollar ticket and the fees on the ticket are seven dollars or more, yeah, then you're going to be in trouble. Uh, so th that's. That's something you have to be very aware of. And I know there are a lot of options now. Yeah, you got what? Uh, you got Ticketfly. You got uh, Grotix, Eventbrite. Yeah. Eventbrite. Uh, there are about a, there's not a bunch, but there are some localized ones, There's too. literally dozens of options. You just have to find out, A, which ones you can legally work with, and B, which ones work best for you. That's that's what you have to You have to make sure that it works best for but not you. I mean, you have to you have to know what works best for you, but you have to know what works best for your user. For the user, for the for the end user and the ticket buyer. Look, some of these platforms may be great for you on the back end. They may print your tickets for you, they may give you barcode scanners, they may take care of all that. But if there's an $8 fee on a on a $10 ticket, it you're not going to sell enough tickets to justify it. So, make sure not just what's easiest for you, what's easiest for your the uh, royal consumer. You. Everybody yeah. involved. Uh, and that that's actually on my list. The the second thing to worry or the third thing to worry about is fees. Uh, so do be aware of those fees going into it because the fees don't just apply to the ticket buyer. A lot of them have fees for you as well. Yeah, because uh, you're getting hit on the front end and the back end. So well, you well, might have they're to gonna get hit on the front end. The the ticket buyer is gonna get hit on the front end. You'll still get hit on the back end. Mm -hmm. So they'll have to pay a, a percentage fee or a flat fee up front, and then on the back end, you got to pay two percent up to 8% of whatever your gross revenue is back to whoever sold your tickets. So you have to be worried about the fees on both sides of things. Uh, and then the, the fourth and the final thing that I really have on tickets, and, and jump in if I miss something at the end of this, uh, but ticket outlets. Yep. yep so yep, yep. I always, even though there are a lot of options to sell tickets online, it's always a good idea to have physical tickets. Absolutely, especially if you have a trustworthy partner, which I'm sure you're going to get to here in a second. But you want to have physical tickets because not everybody, not everybody's comfortable using a credit card online mm -hmm. or over the phone. Not everybody has a PayPal. Not everybody is going to use Square. So there are going to be people who need to pay cash for tickets. They're going to want to pay cash for tickets. And having physical tickets is a big, it, it's a blind spot for a lot of people. I've talked to a couple of different conventions who actually ask me why we do physical tickets. And after I explain it to them, they've actually said, we probably should do that. Yeah. And one of the other, the, the big reason why we do it is it helps us as far as access for people, again, who aren't comfortable online. They're not available to come meet us when we're open. So we have some partners where tickets are available at their locations. People during their regular out-and-about running errands, they're already going to stop in a place, especially if they're a geek. One of our, 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 our longest-running partners, uh, Excalibur Comics in Shreveport, people are already going to get their books. They're yep. already going to be there for New Comic Book Day on Wednesday. They get their books, they pick up the tickets all at once, and they're done. Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing is, it's a lot harder to do if you go strictly digital to run promotions with those to give away free tickets. 
busy. You have to go print them off, and then some websites will let you. Some of them won't. So it's a whole cluster job if uh, <laughs> if you don't have like physical printed tickets that you can hand out to someone, whether it be at free comic book day or whatever, you, whatever kind of promotions or cool extra stuff you're trying to do, partnerships with a bar or, or comic book store or whatever. If you if you try to do it strictly online and it's a headache or can be potentially it, it can potentially be a headache now that's not to say it can't be done it's just inconvenient yeah and and, and you know those uh people are more likely to remember and hold on to tickets that look good like physical thick tickets as opposed to a piece of paper you print it off and depending on how long they hold on to that printed piece of paper of the digital ticket the ink could fade because it's not the the ink that you get in your average printer is not the highest of quality so if you're waiting you know two months that thing might be faded to the point where it doesn't read the barcode and whoever's checking tickets at the door might not be able to uh well if it's a barcode it might not be able to scan yeah so yeah i mean there's there's a lot of pitfalls but if you if you again separate yourself and use kind of some common sense i know that sometimes going the cheapest seems to be the best answer but like paint, sometimes when you go the cheapest way, you're just going to be fixing it down the road anyway. It's going to take more time and money when it's all said and done. Uh, tickets are probably... I've I've said a couple of times that, like, oh, making the layout is the biggest pain in the butt in this whole thing, or dealing with contracts for guests, that's the worst part. Tickets might actually be the worst part. And maybe it's because I'm in the middle of dealing with it right now and building the whole <laughs> ticket platform and dealing with all that. So I feel like it's the worst right now. Yeah, uh, when when your event gets past a certain point, you have to have phone calls and, and talk to a lot of people that uh, is sort of frustrating because I've seen you deal with it. It cracks me up because I don't have to. Yeah, this, this week, the week tickets go on sale. If you can get a lot of the work done before that week, do it. Uh, because if it is the week that tickets are going on sale, you've set the hard date, you know when they are, people are, are, you've already advertised it, people are ready for it, and if anything goes wrong this week, I mean, it's high stress, because if it goes wrong and we have to delay tickets going on sale, that's not good. So uh, don't screw up, Greg. Don't screw it up. All yeah. right. Uh, you brought another uh, conversation to the table today. Yes, movies that much- deserve sequels let, let me not cut you off and go ahead and say it well uh, comic movies that deserve sequels uh much like the conversation that you brought to the table uh, last week or the week before where i kind of was like whatever that doesn't seem like it's that interesting then as i think about it more and more and more i'm like okay this is a serious conversation yeah which, by can- the way next week we're going to do the whole recap on our guest lineup and the other thing that we're going to need to work on i will write it down right now and i will email it to you Favorite comic book covers. Ooh. Ooh, that's tough. That's why I'm warning you now. I got one that immediately pops in the head, and after that, there's hundreds. Well, that's, I mean, I'm running through a whole bunch in my mind right now. If I'm going to narrow this down, it's going to be hard. But that's next week. So this week, you said comic book movies that deserve a sequel. I asked if it was okay if I found movies that already had a sequel that but, deserves another installation. Yeah, so if they if it's already got a sequel but it deserved a third or a if a fourth. movie if a movie was rebooted, I don't think I've got any fourths here. But if a movie was rebooted before it should have been, if if the the first version of it should have gotten another go instead of rebooting, 
I've included some of those on my list, too. That's perfectly all right. I've got a really big list here. Of course you do. Of course you do, Gregory. Well, why don't you throw out what's on the top of your mind? Well, there, there's one that immediately comes to mind, which is the uh, Thomas Jane version of The Punisher. Now, I know it, that one is sort of uh, some people absolutely loved it. Some people didn't like it. Until Who didn't the, like it? There, there was a bunch of people that didn't like it. But if you remember, when they released it on DVD, they had the special features of all the stuff that uh, – was it Fox that put that one out or Sony? Whoever it was, the I studio think, weren't they the same at that point? I I don't I can't even I can't keep up with all the studio happenings. Either way, whoever the director studio head was at the time, it was Lion Gates film. Uh, but whoever was putting that movie out at the time, you know, there was this big whole war sequence and a real backstory to uh, Frank Castle that they just chopped out of the movie. And, and when people started seeing what the actual vision of the film was going to be. They're like, oh, crap, we want that movie. And, and that's sort of where I am. I enjoyed it the way it was. But when you start adding in all the elements that got hacked out of it, it's like, ooh, I want that guy to be my Punisher, and I want to see that story. I loved the movie. The only thing that I can really remember having a problem with was John Travolta. Um, and I don't know if maybe they had a they were able to rein that in a little bit more in like the extended version or the director's cut, whatever the vision was. The only thing that I ever really remember was that John Travolta was a little extra. I hated John Travolta in that movie. But in I fact, think that's the only problem that anyone had with the movie. That's the only thing I can remember being eh, not great. Some people didn't like the fact he was an undercover cop instead of an army vet. But again, that goes back to like they chopped out a large yeah. portion of the story. So. I don't know. I I went back. I've tr I've tried to watch that movie a couple of times recently. It's on Netflix, by the way. Is it? I just looked on Netflix. It was like a week ago. Maybe I, I watched it in my office. Maybe it got pulled down. Yeah, because I know that they rotate them. Oh well. Uh, all right. What else did you have on your list? Uh, oddly enough, since we talked about the Punisher, I even thought the reboot of Punisher Warzone deserved a that sequel. That was with uh, Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens. Who who. The, my biggest problem with that movie is it was your typical 2000s uh, uh, action flick where you had people just doing parkour for no reason and random, like, uh, crystal method music <laughs> in the background, like, which takes away... Wait, was that, was that like, the start of dubstep? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. But, I mean, you just had, like, this... I remember... With people flipping around off of rooftops. And but it's I like, remember that they marketed that one like it was going to be like a video game like it was all going to be just action and that was that was how they pitched it was it was just going to be this over-the-top action movie with you know 14 guns in the frame and explosions and there was a lot of action but i mean you had microchip in there uh, which was awesome uh, the story itself wasn't bad it's just it was one of those early 2000s action movies that they it wasn't early 2000s or mid 2000s was, i think it was even later than that it was like 2010 wasn't it that'd be mid 2000s no that would be 2010s well then it makes it even worse that they were still doing parkour and uh, uh new rap metal hold on when was this 2008. 2008 wow so that was actually really close to the the yeah, thomas it was four Jane years one. later wow why did they do that like that 
Well, like, I don't know. That's unfortunate. That's I, I don't know that I like Punisher Warzone on the list. Lionsgate Films made some uh, interesting decisions, See, and I, that would be uh, I, one I, of them. I have the first Punisher. I have the, the Thomas Jane Punisher on my list, but I don't have the Ray Stevens Punisher on my list. I think that that Ray Stevens movie should have been the Thomas Jane sequel. I, I can't argue that either. I, I, I would... I just like the big screen version of the Punisher. They've almost got it right twice. I just would like for them to pick a path, stick to it, yeah. and actually give it time to breathe. I which guess, is, which is maybe why so many people are excited about John Bernthal in the Netflix universe because they allowed him to exist across multiple stories, and you got to see that character build and interact with Daredevil. And I mean, there's a lot of. Some things in the Punisher series uh, were hit or miss for me, but I, I did enjoy it, and, and I'm glad to see they're at least considering putting a version of the Punisher in the MCU. Yeah. Um, what else you got on your list? Uh, we talked about this one. Uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. The first movie was incredible. I loved it. Which I'm trying to – I got to remember now. That was with the non-Jamie Foxx one. Yeah, but it was um who played Gwen Stacy? Uh what's her name? Emma Stone. Em- Emma Stone. Yeah, okay. So I'm I, I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. Wait. But- which one was Jamie Foxx with? Uh The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was the eh. Okay, so you so you want to replace No, I, I I think it just deserved a third film. A third one. So even yeah. after Jamie Foxx Electro, you still want a third one of those. Yes, like the second one was not the greatest it definitely wasn't as good as the first one but i don't think it was enough to kill the franchise especially on a uh huge 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 uh uh success of the first one and a huge cliffhanger it just feels like well that yeah. you, you made spider-man 3 with toby mcguire which was the absolute trash mm-hmm. yeah you could have went for a third one here that's and i wonder if it might not have been the movie itself that killed the trilogy it might have been the the fight with Marvel and Sony and the MCU, and that might have been what killed it more than uh, the movie itself. Because I seem to remember it did well in the box office. Yeah, it didn't do bad at the box office. It got not great reviews, and then they kind of, are we going to do it? Are we not going to do it? And then like three years later, they fired Andrew Garfield officially, and then next thing you know, uh, Spider-Man's in the MCU. So I'm sure that had a little bit to do with it, it's just, I wouldn't have minded it seeing a third one of those. All right, let me start checking some of these off that I got written over here. All right. Um, now, the reason that I asked the question that I did at the beginning is, uh, does it have to be a sequel or can we do, you know, two movies that deserved a, a trilogy? Because I want to bring up Hellboy. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Because Ron Perlman's Hellboy got the second movie. It got the sequel, Golden Army. Mm-hmm. And then we went straight to reboot, not straight to, it took a while, but we rebooted it with David Harbour, which apparently wasn't that great. It, and going back and forth, I know that the general public didn't like it, but some of my friends who are big Hellboy comic book fans thought that it was a good movie, thought that it was true to the comic book. It's funny you should mention that. Uh, Nick Pitar, the comic book artist, uh, we're friends on Facebook, and he was like, God, I, I can't believe David Harbour so bad, blah, 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 start running down all these... Uh, things in the film he's and basically he ended I hope they make another one and that's sort of the way <laughs> I felt like all right I didn't like that I, I could have done without that that wasn't great 
boy, I hope they make another one. And that it's it, you know how those movies are, where sometimes it's like, God, they're 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 just they're this, this close. close. Yep. I hope they get another crack. But, but I really felt like the Ron Perlman Hellboys. It's not that. And, and look, if you if you are a huge Hellboy comic book fan, the first two, it's sort of like Constantine, which I was almost going to put on the list, but I didn't. Thank God. Uh, you know what? Shut up. Uh, it's sort of like Constantine in yeah. in the sense that the Hellboy books, the Hellboy movies weren't page for page. It wasn't the comic book, but it was such a good story and so well done. And Ron Perlman was so good, and Selma Blair is so good. Well, the other thing that really helped the 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 uh, movies with Ron Perlman is Mike McNola, the creator of the character, was hands on with the production. Which, if you have the guy that created the character, it's very easy to where if you don't stay 100% faithful, you got this great resource right here. Well, this is sort of the feeling of the character, giving it that uh, Hellboy essence, even if it's strayed from the you know, comic book version of itself. I, I wish that we would have got a third one of those. I can't argue that. They tried for a long time, but for whatever reason, it just never happened. Sort of like... Uh, 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 the Guillermo del Toro uh, Justice League Dark movie that's been off and on yeah. forever. Well, the, yeah. It's just one of those things that sometimes there's not enough funding or not enough belief from the studio or schedules or whatever the case may be where as much as everybody involved wants it, it just can't happen. Although, technically, there are some follow-ups to Golden Army, the Hellboy. Technically. How wait? How is that? They made like three animated movies with Ron Perlman and Selma Blair and the entire cast. Well, I mean that, but that doesn't. Are we gonna count those? Cause no, that I'm just changes. saying. They're just, there's just sort of sequels. Okay, well, and like if you have a hunger and a thirst for more Ron Perlman Hellboy or or you know any of those characters from that version of the film, they are out there for your viewing pleasure. All right. Uh. I'm going to put this one out there because it's one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. It's probably the greatest movie of our generation. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I feel like we fought about this last week. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world deserved a sequel. Uh, if you look at the quality of a cast that they put together, especially in the comic book world, uh, you know that they had some serious star power and some mm. serious support behind it. You know that the actors loved it. Go back and watch it now. Look, if you go back and watch a lot of these movies that we talk about from the early 2000s. To Scott Pilgrim beats up Captain America and uh, God, Superman. And Superman, yeah. Uh, with Okay, so by the way, let's just run through this real quick. <laughs> so you've got uh, Captain America Chris Evans yep. is in the movie. Brandon Routh, Superman, and the Atom. Yeah. In the movie, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel is his girlfriend, right? Uh, ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend. Is in the movie. Uh, Thomas Jane, the Punisher, in the movie. Is he? He was one of the vegan police. No kidding. Uh, I'm missing somebody else who is a big... Uh, oh, um, Aubrey Plaza, who is the Shadow oh. King in Legion. Yes, Aubrey Plaza. I'm mm. still missing somebody else. Who am I missing? I don't know. There's a bunch of... There's a whole bunch of comic book, mega comic book stars that are in that movie. That and if you, might be why there's not a sequel. That could be. But if you go back and watch a lot of these movies from the same time period, and you look at like the CG and some of the way they did the animations, and it, it all seems dated. But when you go watch Scott Pilgrim versus the universe, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, 
the universe should have been actually the sequel. Uh, but if you go back and watch Scott Pilgrim, the animation was so advanced that it, it looks like it could be released today. That's fair. And I, I enjoyed the movie. And I, I do wish there was more of it. I, I think it deserved a sequel. Uh, speaking of animation, I know it's on your list. I don't know if you're going to mention it or not, but I'm going to say Spawn. It is on the list. And, and you and I debated about this before we got here. And, and part of the reason I'm glad they didn't make a sequel to Spawn is if you go back and watch it now, the CGI and just graphics in that movie were terrible. Well, yeah, but you can say that about pretty much everything Ooh, from no, that time like, period. I mean, it was particularly bad. Like... The Malbosia just looks like something I did on my computer in Microsoft Paint. Uh, the the costume when they're trying to you know take the mask off of uh, uh, Jay White or whatever his name is, uh, Jai White. What's it? I think that's right. Uh, either way, uh, uh, Al Simmons. Every time Al Simmons tried to remove his mask, it just looked like this weird, like uh, almost claymation thing. As much as I enjoy the content of the movie, the way it was made was uh, terrible. So, so maybe if we if we created a list of movies that deserved a reboot, that would definitely be Spawn deserves one. a reboot. Absolutely, with the technology as it is today, you could make an incredible Spawn movie. I just think they tried to make it about five years, maybe even ten years too early. So, I want to gloss over just a couple of these. Um, I know that you love Sin City. I do. And you think there could be another installment. You probably think there could be four or five more installments of Sin City. Well, they City. did two of them. The problem with the second one is they just waited so long that like half the cast literally was dead. Brittany Murphy, uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Who else died? There's like three or four people that were in the original that died before they made the sequel. But there's so many stories that Frank Miller put out involving Sin City that you don't need those characters necessarily. Where I think, you know, you could make another one or two of those movies. But, yeah, love me some Sin City. One of the other ones is Dread. Not Ooh. Judge Dread, not the 90s one, but the more recent one with Carl Urban. Yes, that was excellent. That excellent, could excellent. absolutely have a sequel. Um, and I, I'm just going to I'm gonna mention this one. It's unfair to put in this scenario. Technically, it did have a sequel. Uh, we never got the proper sequel to The Crow because of Brandon Lee's death on set. Uh, yeah. Got to mention it, but it's a technicality, so we're yeah. not going to spend a lot of time on that one. Um, the one that I do want to point out, and this this might be the last one, uh, a third Tim Burton Batman movie. You know, they almost made it. Like They had pre-production, mock-ups, the art, costumes being made, the whole thing. And part of me really wants to see that movie. And the other part of me is like, God, I'm glad they didn't make it. Because there was some wild stuff going on in there. Well, it so if you remember, it's I know it's hard to remember back through all the Batman films that we've we've lived through now. But the original Batman in 1988, 89. I want to say 89 as well. Uh, Michael Keaton, Batman, directed by Tim Burton. Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Joker. It was on the rails. It was so close to going off the rails. Like, it was literally on the edge of becoming a terrible movie at any moment. Oh, so was Batman but, Returns. But, that, yeah, that's that's the whole thing is that they rode this line of if if you were to be sat down the same way that you read the the script ideas and the outline for a third Tim Burton Batman movie, if you were to sit down and go through... The idea of, hey, we're going to put Beetlejuice as Batman. 
we're going to have Jack Nicholson play the Joker and we're going to we're going to do the the art museum scene and we're going to do the cosmetics and we're going to do all of these crazy things inside this film you would have thought to yourself there's no way they can make it then if you look at Batman Returns hey we're going to take Michelle Pfeiffer and make her Catwoman uh, and then we're going to use Danny DeVito as a version of the Penguin that is the most vile and disturbing version that we've probably ever created. By the way, we're going to have giant penguins, <laughs> animatronic, rocket-launching... Clowns during Christmas. And and we're going to also have Christopher Walken. Like, there's, there's so many things that when it's written on paper, but then when you see it play out... Like, I could go back and watch Batman Returns right now, and I love that movie. Ugh. But it's so close to going off the rails... So we read the idea of one of the Wayans brothers was going to be Robin. Uh, I think uh, uh, Lando was coming back to be uh, Harvey Two-Face. Dent. Yeah. But, he was, but in the third one, he was going to become Two-Face, right? That I, was... I think that's the way it goes. But, man, now I really want to see that. Tim Burton, I know it's been a hot minute. Well, so here's what I want from Tim Burton right now. Here's a, I, hear me out, Tim Burton. I got really excited when they announced Rob Pat- Robert Pattinson was going to be cast as Batman. Uh-huh. I got excited because he looks like Terry oh, no. from Batman Beyond. Oh. So if they were able to find a way to bring Michael Keaton back as Bruce Wayne in a Batman Beyond scenario where a new Batman could take over in a futuristic... By the way, a futuristic world is really what Tim Burton can bring to the table. So if you were to give him his third Batman movie with Michael Keaton, the only thing is you just have to figure out where Johnny Depp plays in and who Helena Bonham Carter is going to be. Because Tim Burton can't make a movie without those two. That is uh, So you need those two in the movie. Although actually I did see a a thing that slipped out, and I I wish I could remember if it was one of those reliable websites or not, that uh, the Robert Pattinson team is courting... Johnny Depp for a Joker appearance to set up the next Robert Pattinson Batman film. God, I hope that's not true. I do too. I'd rather have Jared Leto's Joker back than Johnny Depp and anything. Well, if if they're going to if they're going to play the long game, if they're going to try to make this into another trilogy, they're going to need a big name and they're going to need the Joker. So it's plausible. I just don't please don't pick Johnny Depp. Please, please, please. <laughs> Anybody but Johnny Depp. Well, it's not that I have anything against Johnny Depp. It's just Johnny Depp as the Joker does not sound pleasant. Well, look, to be fair, Heath Ledger as the Joker didn't sound good beforehand I, either. I wasn't mad at that when the announcement. I know a lot of people online were all upset when that came out, but that didn't bother me. Like Johnny, The thought of Johnny Depp as the Joker does, though. I, I'm I'd gonna, rather have Willem Dafoe as the Joker. Everyone would. Uh, but if you if you think of Captain Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp, in a maniacal way, there might be something to it. Mm. All right, that's uh, that's going to be enough for us. Uh, big show next week, probably a long one. We will go through our entire GeekedCon lineup. Big kill. Uh, so actually, you know what? Maybe we might put off the favorite comic book covers for a week because that's going to be a long conversation. And next week's lineup breakdown is going to be a huge conversation as well. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to rate and review. Make sure you've hit the subscribe button, do everything you can, and then tell all your friends to do the same. And uh, all right, that's it.